Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. What up? Welcome into the show. Bill Ryder with you. Jim Bowden is a former MLB general manager, CBS Sports HQ, MLB insider. You can listen to him as a host over at SiriusXM MLB Network. He writes for The Athletic. He's on Twitter at Jim Bowden GM. And sources tell me he doesn't sleep because that's a lot of work. And Mr. Bowden, good morning. What's going on, man? Uh, Bill, I'm sitting here in Texas um, in this series, really two powerhouses with the Rangers and Astros and really looking forward to Game 3 tonight. Uh, they had a fun workout last night. I, it was the first time I'd ever been to the new Globe-like field, so it was really fun for me to walk around and see what a beautiful stadium it is. Uh, and amazed that it only holds 40,000 people because it looks like it could hold 80. I, how, yeah, how is, the, how is the vibe there? What's the... Um... What's the optimism level right now at those games? Oh, I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible for the Rangers. I mean, they've just been so dominant. They're undefeated in the postseason. Uh, they have the second-best ERA of any postseason team. The Phillies are obviously are first with their 1-9 ERA. But, yeah, it's been unbelievable to watch how how this Texas Rangers team has pitched. And we all know they're the best offensive team in the American League. So that combination has been deadly, and they haven't lost a game yet. Jim, it's interesting. We we have seen some surprises, to say the least, in terms of teams that have that have advanced, and and, and certainly the teams with with the buys outside of the Astros that have been eliminated. To what degree do you think momentum is more significant or as significant in the postseason as whatever you did over the course of a long regular season? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the big issue for me is five days off and what that does to hitters' timings. Like we had three teams that won a hundred games, and the best. Three teams went one and thirteen in the postseason because they had to sit five days, and you know you can say what you want to say that that affects hitters. That's a long time. Um, now that being said, I'm not saying that they would have won anyway because I think in the case of the Dodgers, outside of Kershaw, all the other four expected starters were all either on the IL or administrative leave. When you talk about the Braves, Max Fried hadn't pitched since the middle of September and he had a blister issue. So he had walk issues and didn't look like himself. Charlie Morton wasn't in the series because of his finger. And quite frankly, the Orioles, you know, it's their first year being a legitimate playoff team, and they weren't ready. So I'm not saying that the other teams would have won, but sitting five days just isn't good for hitters. And, Bill, the other thing I'll point out is imagine this. If the Phillies sweep Arizona, which is more likely than not, and if for some reason, and I don't think they'll be able to, but if Texas were able to sweep um, Houston, then we'll, we'll all sit here for eight days with no baseball. That's insane. Eight and days. that's just now, locked in as part of the week, schedule. The first wow. week the season ended, we had three off days. So that means we'll have had 11 days off in October. Like, that's just not right. Now, hopefully it won't happen. Hopefully these series will go six or seven because uh, that's better for the sport. But if they're sweeps, you, you better believe the entire conversation will be, why are we sitting for eight days? All right, so Jim Bowden, let's say that you are the GM of one of, of a 100-win team that has five days off because of the bye, 
at the start of the postseason, or you're the GM of one of these two teams that, that do, if they both get sweeps and you have all that time off, are you calling up the AAA team to simulate games? Are you doing real-time scrimmaging? What, as best you can, what do you require of your ball club to try and navigate the rustiness and the timing? Well, you play as many sim games as you can. You take as much batting practice as you can. But, again, it, it's like spring training. It's, it's just it's not enough. It's, it's not enough because the pitching that you face in October is the best in the, it, there is in the business. So, you know, you can't really replicate that. Uh, certainly, you know, you could have, you're not going to have your best starters sitting there pitching six or seven innings while you're waiting. You're just not going to do that. So, yeah, it, it makes it extremely difficult. Uh, the Astros were the only team that, you know, went to the next round. And, you know, I think part of that reason is they've been to the postseason seven straight years and had a lot more experience in it. Jim Bowden here on the show. I'm Bill Ryder. Jim, you noted the Diamondbacks are, are, are in some trouble and have, have sort of regressed back to what they were over the course of the year, and the Astros, you think, maybe can, can at least avoid a sweep. For either of these teams, a Houston team, as, as you said, that has been consistently in the postseason and a Diamondbacks team that was a surprise this year, for either of these teams to win this series, to come back, or to make a real series of it, what do they need to do? Well, I, I think, number one, uh, I'll, I'll start with a series that I'm covering here. Um, there's no doubt that the Astros are going to have to get to the starters of Texas and get them out of the game early and try to expose the bullpen, which is the one weakness the Rangers have. Now, it hasn't been exposed. You know, in games one and two, it, Bruce Bochy only went to Spores, Chapman, and Leclerc at the back end. You're going to have to you're going to have to dig deeper. You're going to have to get to the rest of that bullpen where the weakness is to do damage. And now they've got Max Scherzer pitching tonight. Um, they don't know what to expect. You know, Max hasn't pitched since the 12th of September when he went five in the third shutter innings against Toronto. But I talked to Max yesterday, said he felt great. Ball was coming out of his hand good. But as he said to me, he said it was a sim game. So he says, I don't know how it's going to translate. But I think for them to get back in the series, you got to get Max out of the game early, get to that bullpen, and, and, and try to do damage. Now, remember this. The Astros are the best road team in the American League this year. They were 51-30. and 30. Texas was the second best home team, though, at fifty thirty one. So th- this is going to be the next two days a, fast, uh, a fascinating matchup uh, bet- between these two teams, without a doubt. Jim, let me ask you about a, a specific player who, who I absolutely love, and I think maybe a little under the radar because he's had some injury issues over, over the years. But when he's healthy, how good and significant is, is Corey Seager? Oh, well, Corey Seager is... I think has the best left-handed swing in the business. And I think when we talk about the three best hitters left standing here in the postseason, it's, it's Corey Seager, Jordan Alvarez, and Bryce Harper. I mean, those three guys are special players that I all expect to end up in Cooperstown. You know, Corey defensively doesn't have the best range, but he really reads the ball off the bat. He gets good angles. He gets good positioning, makes strong throws. Um, and he, he's a good shortstop. I mean, not, not special range-wise, but he does make all the plays. But at the plate, he can just flat-out hit. I mean, you know, he, this this guy is – he can hit. He's got power. He's got a slow heartbeat, quiet guy, not very emotional, uh, mechanically just completely sound. So uh, superstar is the only word when I think of Corey Seager. Jim Bowden here on, here on the program. Jim – I'm sure it's demoralizing to play a 162-game season and then just flame out in the, po- in the playoffs. That Orioles team, though, 
overachieved, at least by all, most of our expectations. Very, very young team. I think like, the majority of their guys were under the age of 30 on, on that roster. Obviously, some of those young guys important to what they do. Is, there, is it realistic in Major League Baseball that you can win 101 games, have what happened to you in the postseason ha- that happened to the Orioles, but learn from it and have this set up a successful series of runs over the next few years because of what you can take away from this postseason? Oh, 100%. Yeah, that, that team is going to be here. We're, we're going to be covering them in the postseason for the next several years, um, not only because of the young superstar talent they have from uh, Grayson Rodriguez, a future ace, and Adley Rutschman behind the plate, and Gunnar Henderson at third base, but they also have the best prospect in baseball in Jackson Holiday, and I expect he'll be in the big leagues next year. Uh, this is a deep lineup. Uh, the, the pitching was way better than people thought. Kyle Bradish was a top-five ERA guy all year long. Um, all they have to do really is go out there and add a couple of starting pitchers. Uh, you know, if they, if they can go to free agency and get a Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery, uh, that, that's the that's the piece they need. The other thing they're going to have to do is try to keep all these young players long term and try to work on long term deals right now, especially with Rutschman, Henderson, and even Holiday before he's even played a single game to get them at the kind of deals that Alex Anthopoulos signed his guys in Atlanta, like Acuna and Albies and all those guys when they were young. So it's a very important offseason for Baltimore because they're only a couple pieces away from being a World Series team. Jim, here in L.A., there's been, and I think it's surprising, but maybe I'm missing something, there, there's been a call, at least a conversation I haven't heard before, for, for Dave Roberts to, to be fired. Now, it sounds like he's going to be back, and I think maybe sometimes things here in L.A., the fans miss or media members who should know better is, Whatever's going on, Dave Roberts is is executing really in tandem the vision that Andrew Friedman, his boss, has. Right? It's not Dave Roberts isn't freelancing maybe the way old school managers would have. All of that said, you've been in that position as a GM when you've got a team that has won a lot of games and in the Dodgers' case, a lot of divisions, but has not had the postseason success that that they would like. When do you start to look at replacing a manager versus? deciding even if things aren't going well in the playoffs that that's the guy and you're going to stick with him. How, how do you riddle that out for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, you know, when you're in L.A. or New York, right, when you don't win a World Series, the fans want everybody fired because their expectations are we're L.A., New York, we can spend whatever we want, and if we don't win the World Series, then heads need to roll. That's how the fan bases think, and I understand that in the game. Dave Roberts and Andrew Freeman are going nowhere, period. Uh, Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone are going nowhere. You know, it's funny in New York, um, and I know you've been on both coasts, you know, every year I, I hear, oh, Brian Cashman is going to be fired. No, he's not. He never has been. The rumors are there every year. Every year I get asked by August when the Yankees aren't in it, Cashman's going to go right, Boone's going to go right. Like, no. <laughs> you know, uh, continuity and stability is what the best organizations have. And in the case of your specific question, the Dodgers, remember, Stan Kasten is the one above Andrew Friedman, and Stan was the one in Atlanta that kept John Schultz and Bobby Cox all those years. And this is his, John, uh, you know, John Schultz and Bobby Cox and Dave Roberts and Andrew Friedman. And so I, I believe they're both going to be there for many, many more years to come. Both are highly respected in this sport. Dodgers didn't win not because of management, that they didn't win because four-fifths of the starting rotation was either on the injured list or on administrative leave or pitching in some other country because of legal issues. So, I mean, look, that's what happened to this team. People don't want to always, you know, admit to the truth, but but that's the reason the Dodgers are at home, 
not because of Dave Roberts. It's so true, and you would think that the, the, what happened to the Dodgers' starting rotation would be self-evident, but apparently uh, it is not here in L.A. Well, last one for you, and we're going to play this for, for our listeners here in a few minutes. We haven't done it yet, but Trevor May, as I'm sure sure you, sure you saw, uh, came out, A's pitcher, retiring, and, and ripped John Fisher, the, the owner, in a pretty colorful and funny sort of online clip. Do you have an issue with that? Do you, what was your reaction as a former GM watching a player go after a guy that wrote his checks for a while? So it's funny. Trevor May did all-star coverage uh, during the Home Run Derby with me for Sirius XM, and he is quite a personality and likes to have a lot of fun. Um, look, I my own personal opinion when I saw that is, ooh, Trevor, uh, not, not sure you're going to get a job as a pitching coach if you want to stay in the game after that. Uh, look, I have no problem with people speaking their piece. I, I think I prefer to do it while you're in the position rather than on your way out, you know. Uh, but, look, it's been tough for everybody in Oakland, and it's really tough for the history of that great franchise to comprehend that they soon might be the Las Vegas Athletics, and that's kind of a tough pill to swallow. It's also tough as a player to see a non-competitive team and you're watching a team that, quite frankly, is more like a minor league team playing in the big leagues than it is a big league team, and that can be frustrating. But, look, I, I don't mind people making comments, but I think sometimes it's better to not use the media to do that myself. But I like Trevor. He's a big personality. He's funny, and he does speak his mind. He is funny. He, he, the camera likes him, uh, Jim. Jim, as always, man, appreciate you. Enjoy that series in Texas. Thanks for, thanks for making time. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, buddy. Jim Bowden. On the show, longtime former MLB GM colleague of mine over at CBS Sports HQ at Jim Bowden GM. Look, that's the, that is the reality on Trevor May. I like the candor. I like the honesty. And, and the things he said about John Fisher, well, I was going to say aren't wrong. I'll let you listen to it here. In, a, in fact, you know what? Let's do this. It's in by or sell. It's personal. It's almost mean-spirited. It's extremely funny. And you do not want to miss what Trevor May said about his former owner, the owner of the A's, when we come back next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Writer Than You. If they win all those games, we will play nothing but Bengals songs for a week on our rejoins. And I will learn how to say bangles because I can't say say it properly. Bangles. Bangles. On CBS Sports Radio. Tom, can you name a song by the Bengals? Uh, Nope, I didn't even know they were a music group until you told me a few weeks ago. Eternal Flame's the only one I know. Hold my hand. Rah, 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 rah. What would Can you, you feel say my was, heart breathing? Was their heyday early nineties? I'm 80s? looking it up. Ooh, they they that song's terrible. They they sing uh, "Walk Like an Egyptian." Oh, that's a famous one. I didn't know that was them. The eighties. Okay. Oh, man, they sing "Manic Monday." I didn't know that. I know that one as well. I hate that song because it makes me think of Mondays. Okay. Okay. Uh, they sing "Hero Takes a Fall." I've never heard of that in my entire life. I got nothing there. Uh, I'm an idiot. I just teased Trevor May, and uh, we did that yesterday. <laughs> I'm all, you guys aren't going to believe this sound. <laughs> we can we play played. it again if you'd like. No, I'm just dumb. <laughs> 24. You're, in, the break, you're like, <laughs> in the break, Tom goes, hey, we played that yesterday. We can play it again if you want. Like You, you, you know what you did? And Lori does this to our kids, and it drives me crazy. You talk to me, and you're talking to Willie's two-year-old voice. It's okay. We can do it tomorrow if you want, guy. We can do it tomorrow. We can do it in a minute. I totally did. Totally. You all love me. You all love me. <laughs>
All right, why don't we do a buy or sell, despite my best efforts, that actually has current events in it? What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. Tom, I got one for you. Buy or sell, the Astros can make the ALCS this year. So, Buy. No chance. Okay, there it is. There. <laughs> Great. All right, Phil, let's start Give me off. another drink. <laughs> Talking some NFL yep. here. Now, we know the 49ers had a rough weekend on the injury front on top of losing to the Cleveland Browns. However, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and offensive tackle Trent Williams could all reportedly play on Monday night against the Vikings. Again, I will stress this. Could potentially play. McCaffrey, as we know, is dealing with an oblique injury. Debo, it's his shoulder. And Trent Williams sprained his ankle. Bill, buy or sell the 49ers need Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and offensive tackle Trent Williams to beat the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night. If they were playing, the Monday night's helpful for them an extra day. If they were playing almost anyone else, I would buy this as a requirement. But given it's the Vikings and Kirk Kissin Cousins, I will sell. Sell. Is Kirk Kissing Cousins a top five nickname I've come up with, or does it ju- is it just disturbing? It's top five. It used to be one or two. Matt Eberlews is fantastic, and obviously it holds weight, and I'm always going to be partial to Urban Meyer and dysfunction. You, you like you like the Matt Eberlews. What did, I came up with something for Brandon Staley. I can't remember what it is now. That was pretty good. You had one for Ron Rivera as well that I, I couldn't remember that I, I remember oh, I yeah. loved. It was it was like about the boats and the river River Nope Ron. River, river nope, nope Ron. River Nope Ron was pretty good. Uh no, look, I think those three guys are obviously critically important. And maybe this is a little I don't think sadistic is the word, but revelatory of me. I actually would like them to miss the game because I'd like to be able to make it would be interesting to make an assessment of Brock Purdy based on how badly he played last time, if he's missing all these guys against a Vikings team that record-wise isn't very good, performance-wise isn't very good, but expectations-wise, and I think they would tell you roster-wise is better than where they're at in terms of how many games they've won. So I actually, I'm interested. To, it's one of the few Monday Night Football games I would be I would be glued to with critical guys out. I'd still be. It would make me more interested, but I think he will handle it better, and I think that Niners defense, and I think the fact that Kirk Cousins has a lot of trouble winning on featured games, especially Monday Night Football, and I think the fact that Kyle Shanahan's going to look at the tape and see what went wrong with Purdy without those weapons and make adjustments will all add up to the Niners win this game. All right, Bill, let's keep things in the NFC. Yesterday, the Eagles signed seven-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Julio Jones. Now, after 10 seasons with the Falcons, the now 34-year-old Jones spent the last two seasons with the Titans and the Buccaneers, respectively. Now, Bill, over those last two seasons, Jones has totaled 733 yards and just three touchdowns. Buy or sell signing Julio Jones will have an effect on the Eagles for the rest of the season. Is this going to be the... Like, is there a time machine, and did they go and get the guy from 2015? No, they did not. But okay. could it also have a negative effect? Yeah, I'm going to sell. I don't think it's going to be helpful. Sell. He's a shell of the player that he used to be. You want continuity and consistency. I'm not 
entirely convinced that. I mean, look, I guess the argument is if there's any way that he can help, if it's even a minimal role, it's another person to throw out there. But my main thing is Jalen Hurts has got to make better decisions and better decision-making. I don't think a washed-up, formerly great wide receiver who's basically 50 years old in football years is the answer. Seven interceptions already for Jalen Hurts this season. Yeah. And by the way, we even the first couple games of the year, we talked about this on the show. He just hasn't, and until this weekend, they obviously did nothing but win games, but he just hasn't looked right. He's not bad, and his stats outside of the interceptions are, are times are fine. He has just looked, it's been a weird, it's almost been like he's regressed. It's been a weird regression, because last year the guy was absolutely unbelievable. All right, Bill, Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence is dealing with the knee injury that he suffered on Sunday, but Lawrence is optimistic about playing tomorrow night against the Saints. I feel a lot better today than I would have thought, so I like how I'm progressing, and you know, I'm going to do everything I can to, to be out there on Thursday. You know, I mean, it's a short week anyway, so physically we're not doing much. You know, you're trying to get your bodies back ready for Sunday, regardless of if there's an injury or not. Um, so hasn't affected me a ton because we just haven't done too much. So I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to be smart about it, trying to protect it um, as long as I can and just trying to take care of it and, and try to put me in the best position to be able to play on Thursday. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I haven't, I, I've been working out and, and trying to strengthen everything else and keep my body in good shape and all that. So I'm um, doing everything I can, like I said, to be in position to play and um, we'll just see how it progresses. Bill, buy or sell if Trevor Lawrence cannot play tomorrow night? It would stall Jacksonville's momentum that they've built during their three-game winning streak. I mean, I, I mean, I'll buy it because buy. they're a lot less likely to win the game. Obviously, if he doesn't play, but this is the game. If he's going to miss a game, this is the game you want him to miss. They have the Steelers next, then they have the Niners, then they play a Titans team that I think is is, is always going to be tougher than maybe people think they are. I'm a variable guy. All right, then they play the Texans, who have actually been okay, and then they play Cincinnati. So, like, their stretch is is against somewhere between good teams to overachieving okay teams. They can beat the Saints without Trevor Lawrence. I don't think they will, but they can, and I think the real test will be the games ahead. So, so it's a technical buy, but the fact that it's only a game, if it's a game, and the expectation is he might, you know, he might, he might play, I don't think it's a dire situation at all. Buy, I have a question for you. Buy or sell, you still believe, just buy or sell, you still believe Trevor Lawrence can become a top three quarterback in the NFL. Buy. Can you push a buy for me too? Buy. I absolutely agree. I think exactly where I was going with that. He was on that trajectory when he got drafted. And having one season with Urban Meyer, just one season almost took him off that. But I think we're back on pace for him to be one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. When he looks, when he's right, he is absolutely mesmerizing. All right, Bill, let's get to some college football here. Now, South Carolina lost at home this past Saturday to Florida, 41 to 39. And yesterday, Gamecocks head coach Shane Beamer shared what happened to him after the loss. After the game, and certainly that was a gut wrenching, emotional loss, and and uh, I was frustrated and kicked something that I shouldn't have kicked and. And I uh, thought I was okay, but journaling of the game wore off. And before anybody starts the narrative, like the head football coach is frustrated and lost his poise and all that, no, I care. 
and um, uh, I care about these kids, and I was really upset on Saturday night because I didn't do enough to help them uh, get over the hump and win the football game. So don't think I have to have surgery, but there is a broken bone in my foot. It hurts like you know what. So to recap, Shane Beamer <laughs> kicked an unidentified object Saturday yep. night after they lost, and he broke a bone in his foot. My question to you, Bill, buy or sell that this is a bad look for Shane Beamer? Come on, Tom, sell. Sell. It's a great look. I like the passion. I like the excitement. I like the energy. You're the CEO of a college football yeah, you're, program. You you're can't a college be, football coach. You can't be kicking things Kick and stuff. breaking your foot. What Cooking kind of example stuff. does that set for your players? You don't think these guys are running around the locker room swearing, headbutting each other, their helmets on? Come on. you got to be smart enough to kick something don't that's be not going to ba- break don't your Don't be foot. such a baby. It broke his foot. What You've if never punched something that? and they've been like, oh, I hope I didn't just break my hand? Yeah, but I'm me. I'm not the CEO of a college football program. I like it. Buy or sell, Shane Beamer should be Payne Beamer. Sell. Really? Mm. <laughs> I actually like that one. I just didn't want to agree with you. You're just mad. you got to stop writing these buy or sell questions that are like, here, like here's a Tom, here's a, a classic Tom buy or sell question. You're on the streets of New York and someone wants directions. Buy or sell, they're the worst. Like, bro, I can, you so <laughs> telegraph, you so telegraph your opinion of these things. All right, all right. Take out Shane Beamer and plug in whoever you want. Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley. Like, come on, these guys would never, would never do this. I mean, Nick Saban's a whole different kind of cat, okay? But but I could see Dabo just losing his mind. I kind of, and I liked his answer, and he, he got mad. He cares. He got angry. Come on, bro. You have to hold yourself to a different Why? stand when you're the head Can't coach. Can't have passion? Can't have passion? You can have passion. Just you're don't ridiculous. break your foot. You're ridiculous. Pick, pick an object that's not going to break your foot. I once, um, this is really dumb. I was playing tennis not that long ago, and I got really mad, and I swung my racket in the air, and then actually hit myself in the knee and just fell to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> the guy watching me was just was, goes, you just take yourself out. I was laying on the ground in pain. It happens. Don't talk to me right now, guy. <laughs> Don't talk to me, guy. My knee's swelling up. Don't hit drop shots either. I mean, pain I'm not, beamer. I'm pain not, beamer. I'm not okay with it. Why? Because Just some, some, some silly notion of you have to ask. He's a football coach. Do you know how many times he's dropping F-bombs and saying crazy stuff and screaming in the locker room? And I'm not naive to think he's not the only one punching something or kicking something. Be smart about it where you don't have to address it to the media in the one coming caveat. days. The something has to be inanimate. It can't if I kick one of his players. Agreed. But he probably kicked a wall. Yeah, or like his desk. Yeah, I kind of like it. I like the passion. I, I like it. I like his answer. Be better, Beamer. Be better, Beamer. You you are... Except, all right, just I'm going to do something real quick. And I'm going to... D-Cell. Push the sell button for me. D-Cell right now. Sell. Thank you. Come on, right, Bill, let's, let's move nice. on here. Let's get to some hoops. And, Bill, you touched on this in the first oh, hour. i got to go back. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. What is the angriest you've ever gotten at work? Like, in terms of, like, physical. <laughs> where people could actually see me? or do yeah, I physical take, reaction. Or where I take the time to, like, go somewhere where I know no one can actually see me. I'll give you my two. I had an editor in Arkansas get so mad at me, he started choking me out in a conference room in front of everybody. No, I've never had anything like that. And I got so mad at a radio producer, not anybody here, at a different place once, in front of Jerry Harrison Jr., that I stood up and threw a pen against the window, and it exploded. And I may have screamed. (laughs) 
And then I apologized to Jerry, and he goes, <laughs> I liked it. That guy deserved it. See, those things would never happen. Throw a pen. Throw a pen. You, you know those things would never happen because I hide my emotions so well. Like, you never know what I'm thinking or right. feeling. You go to a room. What have you done? I mean, I've been known to bang a table. They let out some some <laughs> some swearsies before, but I, I've been smart enough to do it where I know no one is looking at me. <laughs> Last week, why does he want to talk baseball? <laughs> <laughs> ah! Got it. I don't know what you're you talking it. about. All right. All right, Bill, let's get to some hoops here. And as I mentioned, you touched on this in in the last hour of the show. The Rockets have traded guard Kevin Porter Jr. and two future second-round picks to the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder will immediately waive Kevin Porter Jr. once the trade is finalized. After all, Porter Jr.'s future in the NBA is insignificant question after he was arrested for an alleged attack on his girlfriend last month. Now, Porter Jr. is still just 23 years old, and he was a first-round pick out of USC back in 2019. Bill, buy or sell, you're okay with the trade the OKC Thunder just made. Sell. Sell. Maybe I'm I'm on my high horse here because I understand the it's within the realm of the rules. Sam Presti had the ability to take this problem off of the Rockets' hands, wave Porter Jr., and get two first-round picks and unload Victor Oladipo. I get all that. I get all of that. It just doesn't sit right with me. It just doesn't sit right at all. All right, Bill, let's go back to Friday night here. LeBron James sat out the (laughs) second half of the Lakers' preseason game against the Warriors. Now, he was in street clothes on the bench after he played in the first half of the game. However, James was caught on camera eating on the bench during the game, and former Laker great Michael Cooper didn't take kindly to it, saying on his Showtime with Coop podcast, quote, You've got to have respect for the game, man. He's over there. I don't mind the guy eating, but go in the locker room. And when you come out, you come out and you be a part of the team, not just sit on the end of the bench eating, end quote. Bill, buy or sell, you agree with Michael Cooper? Um, I'm going to buy. Let me give you a little background. You can tell me if I'm wrong or not. When I did 6 to 10 at night, I used to, I'm not complaining, but I used to work a lot of hours, right? So I'd, I'd be hungry, I'd be grump, I would do a TV show, and I would, do you know where this is going? And I would come oh, in. Oh, do I ever. And I would sit there, and, and Adam Klug, who used to produce me, who was a good friend of mine, the Kluger, would sit there, and he would bring like 15 Tupperware <laughs> containers of food. He had like a seven-course meal, and he would just eat it in front of me while I was doing a live show, and it used to make me so irrationally angry. I'm angry just thinking about it. I don't think I've ever told this to Adam either. I just, because I was just like, whatever. I just made, and he would just like, and so sometimes I'd be mad. I'd be like, Adam, what do you, what do you think about this? You know, no, no, he'd like get food in his mouth. And I would be hungry, right? Because I, I, you can't eat when you're doing, you can't eat in the break because you just, you can't. Oh. Then I'd be on the train, be an hour to get back to Brooklyn sometimes, and Lori would be making me a dinner at 11 at night, and I'd just be thinking about Adam's food. So I, I'm probably taking that out on LeBron is my point. <laughs> Buy or sell, you think I was right to be mad at Adam Klug? Buy. No, you do. Any chance. Any chance we can pile on Klug, I'm, I'm for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, like, who eats at the – like, if you're in a meeting, if you're in a meeting at work, right, you're in a sales meeting, and, and everybody's there, and one guy shows up with his – don't you think that's obnoxious? You don't eat at work in front of everybody. I'm stunned you never told the Kluger to eat before the show. Stunned. I probably did. I don't. Rem- I don't. Re- I, I probably did once, but you know me. Like I, I just. I, I. I. Once I make a thing of it, I'm going to win that battle. So I was just. I just. And Klug is a stubborn, stubborn guy. I. You know what? I'll tell this story tomorrow. I got a great Klug story about about 
clue of like being introspective. All right, Bill, let's get to one last one here. For the last 37 years, Showtime Championship Boxing has televised the top fights in the sport, yet it was announced yesterday that Showtime will no longer air boxing program starting at the end of this year. Bill, buy or sell boxing has no chance of making a comeback as a mainstream sport. I mean, no chances. Like, you never say never, but I'm going to buy the general gist of the question. I think it's highly unlikely. Buy. I'm very bummed out for for Showtime Sports. A lot of people are going to lose their jobs over this, and this is just sort of the nature of the business, right? There, There's consolidation and things change. I like boxing. I'm not an expert on it, but I have covered it. I've been to fights. It, it's, it can be thrilling in person, but I, it has lost its hold over... I think most of us. There's not any transcendent athletes out there that can rise above some of the reasons that boxing, I think, has, has fallen by the wayside. And this is obviously a, a sign of that. I mean, can you imagine you eating breakfast in front of me while we're doing this show? <laughs> nope, but I have my lunch as soon as this show is over. Here's what I did used to do, though. I used to, like, Adam never picked up on it. I used to just be like, okay, I'd, I'd, have, I'd be off from 4.30 to 5.30. I'd be like, let's go grab a quick pizza. He's like, really? And I'd pay for it. I'd be like, yeah, let's just go get a pizza. And we'll do the show meeting there. And I would order, I would call on a pizza. We'd sit down at Spunto, I think is what it's called, or up the street. It's pretty good, actually. And I would feed him. And he never realized it was so he wouldn't eat the food in front of me three hours later. You got to the point where you bought the Kluger dinner just so he <laughs> didn't eat in front of you. And also, you got to keep a happy sort of environment in the in the control room. Oh, man. And he would just, like, he would just... Like a like a like a like a factory machine, just like a machine, just like just consistently just working the spoon into it. I mean, you just he ate in such an annoying way too. Adam, I love you, pal. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> I really do. Let's uh, let's get into Aaron Rodgers and the supposed miraculous recovery that certainly Jets fans are rooting for. We'll, we'll talk about that after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogish. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Uh, make him wriggle. We'll do a minute. Welcome back into the show. Tom, the music sets a tone. Tommy, pretty daddy. And what tone would that be? My anxiety? My stress level? What are we talking about here? We're not even halfway through. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you got to, because when I, like, I'll come back and you'll just pop the music down immediately. You got to let it breathe, you know? Do you want to hear something funny? Yes, I do. Somebody popped in from the newsroom and asked if everything was okay. Who was it? Uh, our good buddy, Andrew Bogish. Oh. That's pretty funny. <laughs> what <laughs> so did you say? I'm not, I'm not the only one getting <laughs> what did you, stressed. What did you say? I said, yeah, it's all good. Everything's fine. <laughs> Bill being Bill. Uh, you all, you did say to me while I was making you wait, if I haven't told you, you're, you're a real good, good, good guy. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> um. Well, one good guy talking about another good guy. Aaron Rodgers, you know, made a bunch of money to go on the Pat McAfee show the other day, right? It gets, I guess, it gets paid a whole bunch of whole bunch of cash, and uh, there has been some talk about Rodgers having a miraculous recovery. Jets fans hoping, thinking, praying about the very notion. Maybe I don't know, going on darkness retreats, looking for some wisdom and how to get a Rod back early. They're three and three. They have a bye this week. You know, at Christmas time, kids have visions of of is it cherry plums? I don't even know what that is, really. What is a cherry? Is it called a cherry plum? Yeah, sure. Why not? Right, cherry plums. Uh, in the darkness retreat, you could have you could have visions of of 
of Aaron Rodgers back for the playoffs. And on his page for sponsored hit, uh, Mr. Rodgers talked about the notion of him trying to come back. Obviously, we're ahead of schedule. There's a lot of factors to that. Uh, there's the way I've attacked the rehab. There's obviously the surgery that uh, Dr. Elitrash did. There's the rehab that I've done uh, and kind of the round-the-clock approach that I've had. There's implementing the diet um, that I've been doing as well. And then just the power of uh, the power of the mind and the power of the manifestation of the, of the desires. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to put a timetable on it specifically. That makes absolutely no sense. Anybody that does doesn't realize that there's a lot of things that have to happen to get to that point. But it's going to have to be jogging and then explosive moments and then practicing and then uh, everybody's signing off on it. And, you know, hopefully we get to, to have that, those conversations. Uh, cherry plum is a kind of plum. I guess kids just like plums back in the day. So he said a whole bunch of nothing. You know, we like, what, 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 how do I sum this up? Yeah, I'd like to come back, but there's a lot going on and nobody doesn't know anything. It, if he can return and the Jets are playing meaningful games, Obviously, that makes a a ton of sense. And I suppose if you want to stretch a historical comparison to the very, very ends, there was a year toward the end of his career where Peyton Manning missed some time. And was it Brock Osweiler? I should be able to remember these from... Does that sound right? Who stepped in for him at the end of that season and maybe during the postseason and Peyton Manning returned at at a minimum at the end of the playoffs... And they won a Super Bowl. And Manning didn't play extraordinary football over that stretch. But he was a leader. He was the guy, right? He sort of knew how to handle the moment. So there is a precedent here for Zach Wilson if he can play at a higher level. It was Osweiler, wasn't it? It was indeed. Yeah. And Osweiler, remember, got, I think, a big contract with the Texans, if I remember right. A lot of money with the Texans. Went back to the Broncos. It didn't work in either play. It just didn't work out. But it was good enough in that stretch. And if Zach Wilson can be good enough, and, and in the AFC, 3-3, three and three, right? You, you, even if things continue to go well, so say 9-8 and eight's not gonna be, it's not going to be good enough. But if you can get to 10-6, certainly I think 11 wins will get you in, and you give Aaron Rodgers some time, and he recovers more quickly, and the Jets play deeper than we expected, sure, that could be a thing that leads to all kinds of amazing opportunities and hope for the Jets. But the realistic outcome here, Tom, is is just is to is to look to next year. I mean, look, you don't give up on the season. Obviously, if you're the Jets, you have a really good defense. If if Zach Wilson can grow into the quarterback position a little bit, he has to be a game manager. He's not going to be a game winner. But they have, you know, they they've won some games, and give them credit for that because losing Rodgers is a punch in the face. I know they won that initial game against the Bills, but after that, they looked really deflated. They have played better. They had a really nice win over the weekend against the Eagles. That's extremely impressive. It means there are some prizes that are in, that could be in there. I just you don't want to get your hopes too high on Aaron Rodgers with that injury, with this football team, with how old Rodgers is. Rodgers is looking to play next year, and the last thing you want is the guy to rush himself back and get hurt again. It'd be cool. I can't make my mind on Rodgers. Although I do got to say, remember I kind of got I got won over by by uh, he's a nice guy by uh, Hard Knocks. Yeah, you did. You were I was all wrong. in after episode number one. We got a rejoin that's me saying I'm stupid about Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks <laughs> makes me dumb about the team. It happened again. You are who you are. You're consistent. Thank you. Sort of. <laughs> I'm gonna make you wait for two minutes tomorrow. Why can't you just wait for the music? Why can't let the music play to end the show? Because I get stressed. About what? My anxiety level goes through the roof. What do you mean about what? 
I'm waiting for you to speak. It'll be a funny joke. Is that we do it, and the next time Bogus runs in, you're like, no, go, go. And then, but don't pot him up and have him just do a fake show. No, no, because you guys in return, you'll do something to me that's even ten times worse than that. And I'm not going to find it funny. Wow. You really went to a dark place. I thought we were a team on this. I thought we were in this together. Producer and host. We are in this Timmy together. And Billy. Let's not do mean stuff to each other. Pretty Daddy and Sweet Willie. <laughs> right? Heck of a podcast. <laughs> where? Where? Yeah. If only we had one. <laughs> we had one of those. It is it is a heck of a podcast. It it would be a pretty extraordinary thing for Aaron Rodgers to, to, to for the Jets to the other thing about Rodgers that is real, and I don't think it's realistic this year, we've seen him be in situations with the Packers where they quite literally had to win out over a long stretch and they were unlikely to do to win the whole to to, to make the playoffs and, and they did it. In fact, the year that he won the Super Bowl. The, the lone championship, the, the lone ring that he has was one of those years where they were the last team in. They had to beat the Bears, I think, in what was then the final week, week 17, when the Bears were actually a good football team. So that Rodgers has it in him at the end of a season when the games are must-win to do it. Now, we haven't seen that in the playoffs for a very long time. He tends to lose in, in NFC Championship games at home, but when he was a Packer. But it is an interesting... Scenario, the idea of him getting healthy earlier and the Jets win enough games to extend the season where the games still matter. That is a show. Great work from Pretty Daddy, despite all of his anxiety. Appreciate his hard work. Thank you to Jim Bowden. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. My name is Bill Ryder. This show is Ryder Than You. And we'll see you back here tomorrow on CBS Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 